Thanks for listening to the Lunch and Learn with Dr. Barry, here to help educate, motivate, and put you on the right path to take control of your health through weekly discussions on topics in the medical field, public health arena, and in your community. And now your host, Dr. Barry. All right, welcome to another episode of the Lunch and Learn with Dr. Barry. Remember, if you are overwhelmed by the healthcare system, underappreciated by this healthcare system, looking for a voice reason, it is yours truly, Dr. Barry Pierre, your favorite board certified internist. This week, we are talking about Diabetes Awareness Month. This is actually going to be the first of a two part series because I don't want to shortchange how much. Uh, effort it takes in as far as treating diabetes so we'll kind of give a nice little general overview of what diabetes is some facts and figures some numbers some stats some signs and symptoms and then next week we'll talk about uh, the uh, treatment options like always remember to subscribe to the podcast it was a five-star review and in the month of november we are going to be talking about diabetes awareness we're actually going to make this a two-part episode why? Because I actually want to focus a whole episode on the different types of treatment options for diabetes, but I don't want us to get bogged down here. I want to kind of put out a red flag, like the white flag, say, hey, look at me. We're talking about diabetes. And once we kind of reel people in, then we're going to talk about the treatment because it's extremely important. And we're going to find out why today. Remember, like, subscribe, hit that notification bell. If you're listening on a podcast, make sure you listen and you're you're subscribed. Make sure you also uh, hit us with a review to say, yes, I love this episode as well, too, because your reviews are amazing. Even on the comments, too. If you're, if you're watching this on my YouTube, make sure uh, you drop a comment to say, give me, even if it's a thumbs up, just so uh, YouTube recognizes that you like watching uh, this content. So let's talk about diabetes. You know, whenever I talk about a diagnosis or whenever a diagnosis gets like a special month, whether we're talking about breast cancer, prostate cancer, colon cancer, heart disease, whenever it gets a special month, you should really be paying attention, especially as general public, like, hey, why did it, with all of the medical diseases out there, why do they think that this disease needs a whole month by itself for us to recognize, right? That should give you like red flags and say, oh, this is something like the alarm bell should be ringing. This is something I probably should be paying attention to even if I'm not necessarily directly affected by it, right? So let's talk about diabetes. Let's get some facts and figures so you guys can get an idea why it would probably get its own month in, especially when I hit you with the last fact. Diabetes right now affects currently, and I'm only talking about American um, you know, facts, right? 37 million people are currently affected, diagnosed with diabetes. One in five people don't even know they have it. 20% of the people who are diabetic don't even know they're walking around with diabetes. But this is the kicker. 96 million people are in that pre-diabetic stage, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. 96 million people are sitting in the pre-diabetic stage ready to go into the club. So if, if you think that the 37 million is bad, think about the fact that we almost got 100 million people who are about to head into this club, especially with the direction they're going. This is even worse. Again, um, 20% of those people, again, don't even know that they have it as well. So it is a problem. When we talk about the types of diabetes, usually the biggest fanfare is type 1 and type 2. 
Type 2 has about 90 to 95% of people. Type 1, about 5 to 10% of people. But this is a fact and concern that you should be have you running for the hills. In the last 20 years, the number of adults who have been diagnosed with diabetes has doubled. Let's pause right there. Let's think about that fact. In the last two decades, the number of people diagnosed with diabetes has doubled. I want you guys to kind of think about what's possibly happened in the past 20 years that could have led to the fact that more people are being diabetes. We're going to talk about that uh, at the end. I just want you to kind of think about it, keep it in your head, write it down somewhere. If you're listening uh, on your way to work, uh, just kind of keep that mental thought. So let's talk about what is diabetes. We're going to talk about risk factors, signs, symptoms, complications. And of course, I'll sprinkle in treatment, but just very vague because we're going to dedicate a whole new episode specifically on the treatments because when, when I did this and I've done this episode or this topic a whole bunch of times on our Medicine Monday series and the podcast. And when I did it, let's say five years ago, the number of options now um, has gone up so much that, and it's exciting. It's exciting, especially, med I always talk about medical technology advancing. The advancements in technology as far as how to treat diseases like diabetes have gotten so much better that I'm hoping that even though the number has doubled in the past 20 years, we'll be able to control it. Because that's that's one thing, right? A lot of people will have a disease, but a lot of people who have that disease don't mean that the disease is actually controlled problem arise. Uh, so diabetes is a disease that affects the way your body will break down energy in the form of its blood sugar. Sorry to break your concentration. I know you're probably knee deep into today's episode, but do not forget, check out our Lunch and Learn community store, shop.drberrypierre.com. Remember to use the code EMPOWER10 and make sure you are leaving us a five-star review, especially on Apple Podcasts and spotify thank you now back to your regularly scheduled podcast now for my community i'm haitian so my community we always looked at diabetes as the sugar disease and coming up that was just a very common way that we would describe diabetes the sugar disease the sugars you have the sugars and my goal especially once i really started obviously understanding medicine getting in medicine and kind of understanding just how bad diabetes was my goal is always to try to pivot and say, hey, let's not just focus on the sugar. Because if I told you the disease just affects the sugar, you'd be like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm cool with that. That, that, shit, that can't be that bad, can it? The answer is yes and more. Like I would, I, I think I'm, I'm almost sure I'd have, to, I have to dig it up. I'll look for it. I'm almost sure I have a blog post or a podcast, something I wrote or uh, did, where I said, I wouldn't wish diabetes on my worst enemy. That is how significant of a fact, a factor that diabetes plays in the whole system. So yes, the foundation is how our body breaks down blood sugar and blood glucose. But more importantly, I don't want us to get bogged down and thinking, oh, it's just a sugar disease and really nothing more. Because diabetes is deadly, can be deadly is a reason why I have a lot of patients in the hospital. It's a reason why a lot of specialties stay very busy um, year on in because of diabetes. So it's just one of those things that diabetes drives a significant 
presence in medicine, especially as a hospital physician, especially as one who did outpatient medicine, especially as one who takes care of patients in the long-term care centers and rehabs. Diabetes plays such a significant factor that it doesn't even raise an eyebrow when I see a person that has a history of diabetes based on some of the, the diagnosis that they may come in with. So what are some risk factors? Like Dr. Barry, what are some concerns that I should be having if I'm thinking about diabetes? You know, my number one, you know, dark horse, especially when we talk about risk factors, is that family history. A lot of us ain't really asking our family members, hey, what issues you have? You're trying to keep your, your medical history secret. The problem is keeping medical history secret from under family members can set them up for a disaster. We've talked about this, especially when we regards to cancer. I know that certain cancer diagnosis, if I'm diagnosed at a certain age, means that everyone in my family now has to get checked much sooner. But if I'm like, you know, Mr. Private Guy, and I don't tell my family member, hey, yeah, I got, I was diagnosed with colon cancer at 40, none of the other family members recognize that they should be getting screened much sooner so they don't have to wait till 40 to get diagnosed with colon cancer as well. So when we talk about family history is extremely important, especially because we know diabetes has a significant genetic component. How do you get the genetics? Pass it down to the family. Age, the older we get, has significant risk factors associated with diabetes, especially type 2 diabetes. Type 1 diabetes, we'll talk about the difference in a minute. Um, it's it, Usually you know you type 1 early, and that's and we'll talk about the reason why. Uh, weight is a significant factor. So if you had guessed that, man, in the past 20 years, we have gotten bigger in a society. Is that the reason why it's more than doubled you to be correct? Um, physical activity, more importantly, physical inactivity. We know that, and that probably goes hand in hand with weight, but if you are physically inactive, your risk factors associated with getting diabetes and having your diabetes controlled goes through the roof and race. Uh, for those who listen to the um, Joe Budden podcast, um, he always talks about putting a dollar or things like $2 in a bucket um, every time they talk about race. In this uh, podcast, I would be like, I mean, that bucket would be full because I can't discuss medicine without mentioning so many different racial components tied around it. Because again, it's not just diabetes. It's what does diabetes do in the black community? What does diabetes do in the Hispanic community, the Asian community? Like it, I'd be silly to assume that there's some blanket way to kind of teach these things. And there's some universal way that a disease affects everybody. Like I'd be absolutely silly to do so. So race plays a significant factor. So let's talk about the signs and symptoms. So we're going to move on from the risk factors. Now we're going to move on to, hey, how do I know if I got diabetes? What are some things I should be looking for? Now, in medical school, they taught us the way to kind of remember this mnemonic was the three Ps. Three Ps being polyuria, I pee a lot. Polydipsia, I drink a lot. Polyphasia means I eat a lot. Now, you're thinking, all right, so I'm peeing a whole bunch. I'm drinking a whole bunch and I'm eating a whole bunch. But guess what also is a risk factor, especially associated with not controlled diabetes. And this used to happen to me when I was doing outpatient medicine. A patient would come to me, say, hey, yeah, I was diagnosed with diabetes, but you know, I never took the medications. And doc, guess what? I lost like 40 pounds. Right when they tell me that, my ears and my, my the, the bells are ringing because I already know I'm talking to a patient who has severely controlled, uncontrolled 
diabetes. And you may be saying, Dr. Berry, why is it that if a patient has uncontrolled diabetes, they don't, um, I mean, they, they lose a whole bunch of weight, even though they're eating like crazy, they're drinking like crazy. What is it about uncontrolled diabetes makes it so that they lose a lot of weight? So those who may be familiar with the uh, keto diet, I want you to kind of think of it in that matter. Even though you are eating like crazy, even though you're eating everything inside, drinking everything in sight, your body does not know and cannot break down the glucose that's in your system, which is, again, majority of those carbs. If your body can't break down the carbs in your system, guess what? You pee it all out. So you essentially go into ketoacidosis. You essentially go into an extreme version of the keto diet trying to um, deal with the fact that like, hey, like I'm not taking no medication, but I'm losing all this weight. So something must be happening. No, like if you are taking, and this happens often, especially when we start patients who are diabetic and maybe they didn't know they were diabetic or maybe they were uncontrolled and we start controlling their diabetes, they gain weight. But the reason why is because now those same foods that you're eating, that your body couldn't break down, now I'm giving you medications like insulin and other medic oral medications to break it down. And now your body can actually use it. And guess what? It doesn't use that fat that it was using before. It doesn't use that protein that it was using before. Now it's just using the carbs because you eat plenty of carbs and boom, the weight gain comes. So definitely, definitely a concern there. Vision disturbances, blurry vision is an issue, skin uh, dryness, infection. Diabetics actually are more susceptible to infections as well. So if you're a person who's always getting the cold, head, you know, sinusitis, rhinitis, flu, all of those things there, that could be a concern too, especially for a doctor who's thinking like, all right, what's going on here? And again, most of the time, you know, by the time you tell us a couple of pieces, especially when we ask about that family history and a couple other things, we kind of know, but it's definitely something of concern if you're just, if you're just a sickly person, you're always getting sick and then boom, there you go. Um, you know, diabetes is of uh, concern in that regard. So as we move like forward, right, as far as the signs and symptoms and this risk factors, why is diabetes so bad? And this is what I, this section right here, you should, again, you know, stamp it, you know, make sure you save it on the YouTube, make sure you got this memorized off if you're a podcast listener. This is the section why diabetes is such a problem. These are some of the complications associated with diabetes, heart and vessel disease. I've always said that from a marketing standpoint, I wish people knew that diabetes was much more of a vascular related disease than actual the sugar. Yes, the sugar is an issue, but diabetes is such a vascular related disease, whether you have a heart attack, whether you have a stroke, whether you have peripheral vascular disease, if you have one of those three symptoms, we're always we're assuming that the diabetes is not far ahead. Nerve related damage. So you'll hear a lot of people say, I get a lot of nerve pain or radiculopathy or you know that that burning sensation in my legs neuropathy you you heard that term that again is a significant risk factor associated with diabetes again it's not just a sugar disease kidney disease guys diabetes and hypertension rank 1 and 2 depending on who you're talking to or when when time you take uh, the study as far as reasons for someone going on dialysis now eye damage Again, diabetes, hypertension, rank one or two as far as the reason why someone is um, blind worldwide. Guys, when I tell you it's not just a sugar disease, 
this section right here, skin infections, the amount of patients I take care of who have uh, non-healing infected ulcers on their legs, on their arms, because their diabetes is uncontrolled is through the roof. We know that in the hospital setting, if you're dealing and treating an infection and your sugars are running amok, it's going to be hard for us to treat that infection. So definitely a concern when your sugars isn't controlled. Like I said, it isn't just a sugar disease. It is a disease that causes all problems galore. So let's talk about the testing because the testing is simple, right? And like I said, we'll, we'll, we'll sprinkle on the treatment. But again, the treatment will focus on another episode. But when we talk about this aspect of testing, what are some of the most common tests associated uh, with diabetes right now? I think the cheapest test, the cheapest test for me to know if you're a diabetic is that urine test, which again, I, and I've had an attending who would tell me that the urinalysis, which is again, one of the more cheaper tests, the easier test everyone typically does, is one of the most underrated tests because of the amount of diseases that we can diagnose specifically looking at your urine. Because guess what happens if the diabetes has gotten so bad that you're now having kidney damage? Guess what we also see in that um, urinalysis? Sugar, right? So again, we see sugar where sugar shouldn't be. You should not be peeing out sugar. You know when you start peeing out sugar? When your body says, hey, I have so much circulating in the blood. I got to get this thing out of here. I got like, let's get it out of here. You know what? Let's pee it out. The problem is your kidneys can't deal with that stress of having to filter out and pee out a whole bunch of sugar, which is how the process of kidney damage occurs. So we'll see very quickly like, oh, boom, I'm seeing a whole bunch of sugar in here. Hey, are you a diabetic? Like sometimes that like before I do a blood test, I can see if you're a diabetic straight off of your analysis. Right. So I love the urinalysis specifically for it. Um, we have fasting blood glucose. We have A1C, which is another one. A1C is great because A1C says, hey, because a lot of patients will lie to you. Oh, doc, I've been doing great. I've been looking at, I've been, you know, taking my medication. My sugar numbers have been great. And then I do an A1C, which essentially gives me an average of your blood sugars over the past three months. The reason why it's three months is because that's how long and how long red blood cells typically live. And then the A1C tells me a whole different ballgame, right? So we love the A1C for that. Let's, I want to kind of focus on and the glucose challenge test. This is mainly for my pregnant patients because we talked about type 1 diabetes. We talked about type 2 diabetes and the pregnancy gestational diabetes is another, another significant risk factor and diagnosis in the regards of diabetes. Right. So, oh, and I in fact, I think about we just we kind of skipped it. But like before, before I get to the testing, type 1 diabetes is what we consider an autoimmune disease. So again, this affects about 5 to 10% of people who are diagnosed with diabetes. And it's when your body actually attacks itself. So then when it attacks itself, it attacks the ability to actually make insulin, which is how we break down glucose for energy. And then boom, you have to take synthetic insulin. And the reason why that's important, because a child who has trouble breaking down the sugar because they have zero insulin in their body will show up in a hospital with diseases like diabetic ketoacidosis for the first time. Like that'll be their first reason why they're in a the hospital because their sugars are out of whack and their body cannot break down all the sugar that's in their system. Again, all these complications, problems galore, especially when we talk about electrolyte related issues. Now your type two diabetics is a different thing. Your type two diabetics is saying, hey, I got enough insulin 
to at least be hanging around, but I don't got enough to deal with all this sugar sitting in here. So when we talk about how in the past 20 years, the number of diabetics have doubled and the fact that 96 million people are sitting outside the club door waiting to get in is because their insulin is in for a fight and it's fighting and it's fighting, but eventually it says, all right, man, I'm, I'm done. I'm done, y'all. Like y'all can have it. And then boom, now you're a diabetic. So those patients also will get some synthetic insulin, right? Some insulin that we give, but also they could do well with oral medications as well. But those are the patients where if you get to a point where you're so burnt out that the regular oral medications ain't going to be enough, then you just got to go right to the insulin. So it's both of them can use insulin, but your type one patients 100% need insulin. There's no questions asked. You need insulin or you're going to die, right? That's how serious it is uh, from that standpoint. So let's just, I want to just take a look at this chart here before I get your body here. Um, at just, you know, our test for diagnosis of pre-diabetes and diabetes, just so you guys can get an idea of what we mean when we're talking about diabetes. So when here, and this is for my Let You Learn listeners, I'm going to kind of just kind of say it out uh, loud for you guys. So for an, a patient who is normal, a normal patient, they have an A1C less than 5.7. They have a fasting blood sugar less than 100 in their oral glucose tolerance test is less than 139. So again, for my uh, podcast listeners, so you can get a visual picture of what numbers you need to be in the normal range as far as diabetes is concerned. If you are pre-diabetic, again, 96 million people, 96 million people pre-diabetic. If you are pre-diabetic, give me a second. Um, if you are pre-diabetic, your uh, A1C is between 5.7 to 6.4. Your fasting glucose is 100 to 125. And your oral glucose tolerance test is between 140 and 199. So if you are in the pre-diabetic stage, which again, 96 million people are, that's where you fall in. Now, if you are a diabetic, y'all, a diabetic, you have an A1C greater than six and a half right off the rip. Now, this number when I was in medical school actually used to be seven. So they moved the goalposts back a little bit to try to catch people earlier because of all of the complications, right? Just for some history lesson. The fasting blood glucose is 126 or above, and the oral glucose tolerance test is over 200, right? Or if I, and usually again, these are just fasting numbers, but if, I, if I'm in, in the street, I can go eat some food, right? Eat some lunch. And I can go test people's sugar at that restaurant. If you are not a diabetic, your blood sugar will never get above 200. Because your body will, in this case, this isn't like a slow process. Your body will automatically recognize, hey, this person's eating more. Let me raise the insulin up to bring the sugar down, right? So you'll never, so that's, so that's why on, if you're a diabetic and you automatically pop up with a plasma glucose greater than 200, you are diabetic. There's no questions asked because there's not a non-diabetic who will have Outside of, let's say you're taking like steroids or something, but even then that's a transient issue, goes right back to normal. Um, but like outside of like a significant medication surge that's causing your, which again, steroids will do, especially for my COPD and asthma patients, like your sugar should never be above 200. And before, before we left off, right? So let's focus on just some, again, general treatment options. Like I said, we're going to have a whole episode focus on different types of treatment options just to, and like I said, there's, there's some good ones out there. I was having a great conversation uh, with a good friend of mine, Dr. Ducatel at the ACOI conference. And we we're just kind of going back and forth on different, different diabetic medications. So 
oral medications, obvious, right? You know, metformin, uh, Libriol, plenty of oral medication. There's plenty of insulin-related medications, synthetic insulin to take. Now, the biggest, the biggest step that we always say, and I want to make sure I highlight this because <laughs> what's so funny, especially with COVID and everything that's occurred, there's a significant population of people who are swearing that doctors don't preach about lifestyle modifications and eating well and exercising, which is absolutely BS. It's been, it's been, it was BS when y'all said it. It's been BS for years. We've been screaming it. Y'all, y'all weren't listening, but again, not going there. Lifestyle modifications are significantly important, whether you're monitoring the types of food you're eating, when you're eating, how you're eating, um, your physical activity, or more importantly, get rid of physical inactivity, getting some moderate exercises three to five times a week. Like those small things are the crux. Like the medications, yes, will help. But if, if you're still a couch potato, you're still eating what you want to eat. And I've said this to my patients all the time. I cannot, um, you know, over medicate your mouth. Like if you eat all the stuff you want to eat, there's not enough medications in the world to treat that. And in the best example of that is when patients who are diabetic come to the hospital, a lot of times their blood sugars are the best it's ever been. But guess what also happens in the hospital? We give you a diabetic diet and say, hey, this is the amount of carbs you're eating per meal. Boom, there you go. And then sometimes we get in trouble. And this is something I always had to teach my residents, that when you are a diabetic patient or you admit a diabetic patient, you have to keep an eye because a lot of times the insulin regimen that they have is based on what they eat outside of the hospital. So if you give them that same insulin regimen for what we're about to give them, you could cause their sugars to crack. So that's something as a hospital physician, we always got to keep in mind on um, making sure that like we maybe go down a little bit. And and again, the patients are always like shocked that their numbers are the way their numbers are. But I said, no, no, no. It's just that outside the hospital, your doctor typically has to treat you and what your body requires as far as the amount of insulin it should be requiring, as well as uh, your diet. Like in over here, we factor in the diet and it makes it much easier to kind of treat that aspect. So again, just in a, it's again, it's one of those diseases that deserves a month, just like hypertension, all the cancers. It's one of those diseases that deserves a month because of the, just the complication section alone. Make sure you go uh, skim back to that. The complication section alone is enough for you to say like, oh yeah, I need to stop playing out here. I need to stop playing out here. This disease is number one reason, number two reason for people going on diabetes, people who getting amputations, people who are blind. Like this is a disease that let's just say ranks top five. The fact that it ranks top five in either get, making me go to dialysis, making me blind or making me get my leg cut off should be enough for you to be like, all right, let me stop playing. And a lot of us, again, 37 million people, a lot of us either have a family member affected by diabetes or we're diabetic ourselves, right? So we got to get ourselves together. Please, please, please do so. So again, I'm your truly Dr. Mayor Pierre. Remember, uh, subscribe, hit the notification bell, subscribe on that podcast for my Lunch and Learn listeners. You guys be blessed. I'm going to see you guys next week. Thank you for getting to the end of the episode. I am yours truly, Dr. Barry Pierre, favorite board certified internist. Like always, remember to subscribe to the podcast, leave us a five-star review, and more importantly, share this to at least 
two of the five of your friends and family members that you know that could be empowered with the words that you heard today. Again, so appreciative of all you guys' support. See you guys next week.